What's up, guys? We are back, your high street freaks. We took a slightly longer than expected hiatus, I guess, just to enjoy the new year a little bit. Um, five and days because, hiatus. yeah, like, like five <laughs> days. Come on, it's it's not much, but I mean, it is it this time of the year. We are just like going through the list of all the shit that has happened since we uh, last convened, and it is a a hefty list. Um, we're not even like you're not even going to get our full like madness about the cotton bowl. You're, you kind of skipped the whole, like us wanting to throw Ryan day off a uh, moving, you know, train or something like that from the cotton bowl, because we just skipped that stage of this uh, maybe best for everybody involved, but um, we're still mad, just a different type of mad, not the raw unhinged mm-hmm. mad. Um, but yeah, I mean, We've had a lot going on since Ohio State scored three points against a mediocre defense in the Cotton Bowl. Um, it's been a been a hell of a week, and it's probably going to get even more interesting in the coming weeks. Um, yeah. So, how was your New Year, Ryan? It was good, man. Um, you know, I spent it uh, in Pittsburgh uh, with my girlfriend and friends and family, uh, which was nice. Um, I. This is going to sound crazy, but maybe one of the highlights of me for the holidays is I hadn't taken like a long passenger train in a while, uh, like since I was in Europe, basically, the last time I did that. Uh, I took a six-hour train ride, maybe a little longer than six hours, from Pittsburgh to New York on the way home. Uh, and it like winds through the mountains of Pennsylvania, and it was snowing outside, and I was just like in this, next to the window of this passenger train, reading a book for like six hours. Awesome. One of the most pleasant days in a long I've had in a long time. Yeah, you uh, just don't have to do anything. Yeah, it's just you're mm. just sitting there in a book. Yeah, I, and, yeah. I said the Wi-Fi wasn't working, so no one could talk to me. Uh, yep. <laughs> no, that's really unplugged. That was so nice, man. Yeah, and I probably needed it after. Uh, I will say we'll talk about the Cotton Bowl in a second, but that was uh, the first time my girlfriend ever watched a Buckeye game with me. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, I felt bad for her. She asked me if it was always this bad. I said, no, uh, just an especially pathetic performance this time. Usually that's, that's, we're just kind of shitty. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of what my wife looked at when she was like halfway. I was watching it and she was like halfway paying attention and saw the score and it was like 14 to three. And she's like, "Ooh, that looks embarrassing. Like, is that as embarrassing as it looks? And I was like, <laughs> yep. Yeah, but sure is there is. anything worse than like drive by commentary for people who like are half watching the game and don't really care, but just get to the truth of it immediately? It's so deflating. Yeah, like I spent three hours watching this and you glanced at the score and came up with the same conclusion as me. Like, come on. Yeah, it was uh, very sad, but, um, you know, it's it is what it is. I think. Uh, I don't know. Ryan Day is trying to suck me back in. Um, I'm trying my best not to let him after that horrible, horrific performance. I'm I'm my only positive spin on that game is if that's finally what convinced him that he needs to just like pass the sticks. I guess so be it, but um yeah. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll see what we'll see what happens there, but um first we've got a whole laundry list of things to talk to, but before we get to that, I this is a a free one of our podcasts. I think in the new year, we're going to do something different. Not this episode. You're getting everything for free in this episode. In the new year, I think we're going to start doing this thing where um, instead of doing a free pod and a premium pod alternating weeks, every week is going to have a free pod and a premium pod. And they're essentially going to be the same podcast. The second half of the podcast is going to be a lot more 
whether it's premium information or a Q and a session from us, um, or analysis, we're gonna, that, our analysis that, that isn't, that yeah. isn't anywhere else. We're going to split the podcast in half and the first half will be available for free. And the second half will be posted at the same time, um, on our premium pod. So yeah. that's how it's going to roll the rest of the year. This one, I don't feel like doing that right now. So we're yeah. just going to make we're it all experiment free. With it. We're, yeah, we're, we're going to try it out with you guys, see how it goes. I take the temperature from all of you and, and learn from your thoughts and yeah. Uh, if you like it, we're going to keep doing it. And uh, if you don't, we might anyway. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, right. But part of that is we have a website together, famously. It is midfield.com, And that's where the premium episodes will be published, the premium edition of the podcast and the premium part of the podcasts. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of fun over at our website. We have a message board. We have premium articles, a lot of analysis. Ryan just posted a thing talking about um, some upcoming staff changes and projecting who Ohio State might look to hire. Um, I did a thing about how Ohio State's transfer portal strategy this year is kind of just focused on retaining previous players. Um, you know, we 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 give our takes. We give our takes on the pod. We give our taste takes written. Um, it's a good, you know, a a solid. I think I think it's one of the best websites on the planet. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Um, I agree. The um, especially, I really do love our community on there. I mean, the message yeah. boards are, are just fantastic, and and you know we've had. Uh, I mean, the Ohio State offseason thread, which we started at the end of the Cotton Bowl, is I think already like eight posts, um, and there are what eight months to go, <laughs> eight right. and a half months to go right. for the season here. Uh, so I mean, it's it's about as raucous as a Buckeye fan that you'll find, and it's also fans of a lot of other teams, you know, around college football. Uh, from the rest of the Big Ten, from the SEC, ACC, you know, uh, Big 12, the former Pac-12. We have a lot of people from all over. We have an article from a Washington writer coming uh, for the preview uh, today or tomorrow. Uh, we're recording this Sunday. Um, we're, uh, you know, we have the last game of the year coming tomorrow before we record this, as we record this. Um, we are all hoping that good triumphs over evil. Uh, but either way, you guys should come and be part of the scene and, and come hang out with us. I mean, a big feel. So, yep. yeah, come subscribe. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about this Cotton Bowl in brief? Yeah, it sucked, didn't it? Just, it, was, it sucked, yeah. It was very bad. I mean, and like, I, I think I think it's one of those things. At this point, this analysis is really old. And I'm sure you guys have heard all of these takes everywhere else. If you follow yeah. us on Twitter, if you've seen our message board post, like, it's all the same thing. Um, I think my biggest takeaway is obviously just the offense was complete ass. And especially if you're going to like... Um, I don't know if, if, if you're going to be the offensive guru and you're going to have like a month to prepare for a mediocre defense, it doesn't matter who you play at quarterback, especially if it's a guy that you chose over um, Brock Glenn and stuff like it's still a quarterback who has been on your team for an entire year and you couldn't yeah. function with him. And it wasn't even his fault. It was the offensive line's fault, which was complete guard. Like, I don't know. All in all, it was a disaster. Like, it's not like yeah. it's it's not like Lincoln Keenholz was incredible but I don't know how you could have looked incredible behind that offensive line. I don't know how a running game could have looked awesome behind that offensive line. It, all in all, just a complete disaster. Just, yeah, just really bad. Um, and, and I don't know. Um, I mean, like, the, the thought, like, you see the offensive line, that's the first thing. And again, this is old. I'm not going to spend all day on this, just to go through it quickly. The idea of swapping out or, like, basically suspending your starting center because he went in a podcast and then moving a kid there who is leaving the program to help him get his draft tape better and then bringing in another kid who's a, likely going to be leaving the program to right guard to start for the second time in his career. Just for fun. Uh, previous, just for fun instead of like getting yeah. – you're clearly discontented and 
pretty damn good backup guard, Tiger Kershapola, ready to play or get him reps or, you know, trying out Josh Fryer inside and move Montgomery reps outside. A lot of things you could have done to benefit the team for the future. Yeah. Uh, they did none of those things. They benefit themselves in the current or for the future. Um, they, you know, skipped practices that were available to them. Good uh, God. As part of the Cotton Bowl. Uh, that they, was that was damn yeah. like like we sh- heard rumors that that lincoln keyholtz was at scout team quarterback instead of like you know playing real quarterback and practice to learn the system like yeah the whole thing was they didn't do anything to get ready like you said they, they, they were the practices and, they didn't do shit to get ready they, they right. were unprepared and embarrassing i think i think the whole skipping bowl, bowl practices thing is way more damning than people are even like i think people are underreacting to the whole skipping bowl yeah. games practice thing. Because like, if you talk to pretty much any coach in the country about bowl practices, they t- like they treat them like they're like gold. Like they're like- It's, it's 15... time for young players to shine. Yeah. Yeah. It's time for young players to shine for you to get them important like developmental reps, especially with guys next year opting out like, or, you know, you're not really needing to give your starters a ton of reps or anything like that. Maybe guys are injured and stuff. That is a prime time for guys who are going to be on your team next year to get, you know, vital reps. I'm sure I could dig up like 15 quotes from Urban Meyer about how much, how important bowl practices are and how much they look forward to them and how like huge that is for, um, for a program's de- development. I even remember when he, uh, when Urban Meyer missed, when Ohio State was suspended from a bowl game in 2012. Urban Meyer was furious because it essentially meant that his team had 15 fewer practices for development over the next year. Like all of, all of those things. Um, like it is, it is very, very important. And it is insane to me to hear a, uh, to hear of a coach just like punting on taking some of those practices. The report from Dave Biddle was that they had some very light practices mixed in and they left anywhere between like five to three practices on the table like just didn't use them that's insane that's insane like that is that is as close to like a a straight up fireable offense as ryan day has had like like one specific thing your coach just like not using and it's like in the larger context as well of the fact they don't really get any reps for young players during the season they don't really get them in very often enough they keep the starters in the game way too long um in the context of like having quite a few players and you can get guys ready to play like there's right. a you know having young players who are pretty clearly frustrated by having not gotten the field yet, like former highly rated guys. There's a lot of extra added context that makes it even more frustrating. But yeah, I mean the game was an embarrassment. Um, it, it was just a joke all around from play calling, preparation, to deployment of players, to the practice schedule leading up to it. Anything they did, I, I mean, just one of the most lifeless dodge performances I've ever seen. It led to, like, ironically, this fucking exhibition game appeared to be uh, an inciting factor for a lot of media members in Columbus to start turning on Ryan Day the way we have. <laughs> uh, I, I think you're still not as aggressive on him as I am. I'm not. Fair. I'm definitely uh, not. I think I'm I'm not maybe like the fucking vanguard on that. And <laughs> I think not maybe. I am. <laughs> you are. You are. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I see a lot of other folks kind of come to where you're at or where I'm at on their opinions at this point. Uh, at least it was gratifying to see, even if the reasons were so preventable and stupid for games yeah. that matter. Hundred um, percent. Like that was the only way, other than like a major injury that that game. And I guess there was an injury, but a major injury that game could have made me uh, that pissed. It's just like coming up, like if they like play whatever, play like a 
okay game and lose late. I don't care. It doesn't like, matter. The result of the game like doesn't that. matter at all. Like, I don't, I'm not no. going to think about that game. Like, well, I might now, but like, that's yeah, not a now game. Now we're just... forever. Right. That's the, it, it, he turned it from a totally, <laughs> like, a totally useless, non memorable exhibition game into like one of the biggest strikes against them for a lot of people. Yeah, uh, which is pretty funny. Insane. It's 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 um, very funny. Very funny. But I think the only the only success that could come from it, and we're gonna hit on this in a little bit, is like if that's the thing that like forces him to be like, well, shit, like I really need to to fix some some things in this program. Cause I think we where we differ on Ryan Day is like at this point, like I I do genuinely think that the best case scenario is that he just like fixes his shit and like is still the head coach and like fixes the problems and moves forward because I do like like the positive things that he has brought to the program in terms of like the wide receivers have been awesome. The quarterback play has been awesome. I enjoy having the best rookie quarterback in history uh, coming from Ohio state, in the NFL. Like, I think that's cool. I think it helps quarterback recruiting. Um, yeah. If all of the other things no that we're putting down the pro- problems, yeah, right. Yeah. No off the field. Like those, yeah. those are all like legitimately like beneficial things. If he would just fix the other very fixable things that are, wrong with his program. So like from my perspective, I am very happy if Ryan day ends up fixing his shit and ends up being Ohio state's like coach for the foreseeable future. As long as he can do that, he just hasn't really shown any evidence of being able to do that. Um, Maybe this is what sparks him to be able to do that. I don't know if it doesn't, we're going to find out real quick because I don't think that his leash is going to be very long uh, after what happened this year. But um, I guess the the aftermath, what were you going to say? Oh, so I, know. I mean, like, I think he's put himself like the heat was already rising after losing to Michigan and missing the playoff. However, that performance, yeah, again, that should have meant nothing. It turned it from like, hey, people are starting to get nervous to like, if you don't fix things and do what the expectation is, which is like at least making the semifinal, the 12 team playoff, and beating Michigan and probably winning the Big Ten, you have to do two of those three things. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think you can do, I don't think you win the Big Ten without beating Michigan. Maybe next year right. you could. I don't know. Uh, regardless. Tough. And if you don't do two of those three, two of those three things next year, you're gone. Yeah. No, 100%. It's like, that's, it's that simple. That's well, the standard for next season. We, we talked about yeah. this a little bit on a previous podcast, and now it's just coming to fruition. Like, the thing about Ryan Day is that he hasn't, he hasn't won the big games. He hasn't beaten Michigan. He hasn't won national championships. He hasn't won Big Ten championships. What he has done is he has won the games that he's supposed to win and just like the, the meaningless games essentially. And like to, to some people, like that's good enough. And they're able to say like, well, he he's won all these games, whatever, but he's put him in, put himself in a position where it's like, look, you have absolutely no margin for error in those games anymore because the minute you stop winning the games you're supposed to win, what are you doing? You know, like you're not beating Michigan. You're not yeah. winning national titles. You're not winning big 10 titles. And now you're not winning the games you're supposed to win. Like, there's no wiggle room anymore. Like, so I think that's, that was the reality of the Missouri game is it's like, well, wait a minute, this guy is supposed to be the quarterback guru. He's supposed to be the offensive mastermind and he's never supposed to lose games that he's supposed to win. And so the quarterback sucked ass. We don't have a quarterback. The offense scored three points against a mediocre defense and they lost to a team that they were supposed to beat. So like, what are we doing here now? So I genuinely see how people like after that performance are like, wait a minute, this actually isn't good at all because he's not even doing the things that I was happy with him doing. Yeah. It's taking the mask with the Scooby-Doo villain, right? We always talk yep. about process over results and like everyone's okay with it. Cause you can point to the winning percentage and he won a couple conference titles a few years ago. Uh, and you know, and you know, almost beat Georgia that one time. Uh, that's what you can point to about, <laughs> it's about his track yep. record and the Clemson win. But you know, when the process is bad and the process gets worse over time, 
the results are going to follow. Like when, when, you know, when the body drops, the head follows, right? Like yep. the old boxing analogy. And that's what's happening here. He's not taking account of the small things he has. We've talked about it a million times. You guys all know our stance on this. And if you don't do that and you just kind of let it go and be laissez-faire about it and don't try to seek improvement in every asset of your game, then you're eventually going to end with those results getting worse too. Like those, those quote-unquote meaningless games. And the argument we'll make about like the Urban Meyer Ryan Day comparison, which we're not going to relitigate today, of course, um, is that like Urban losing the quote unquote meaningless games to Iowa or Purdue or similar teams kept him out of the playoff on a few occasions. Uh, and that's fair. That did happen. But what's the value of making the dance if you can't do anything when you get there? Like Ryan exactly. Day makes the dance or gets close enough, like a 12 team playoff, probably with his record and the way he coaches, he probably will make it every single time. Uh, but if you can't beat the teams you have to beat once you get there, then what? Then what happens? It, and uh, it's it's also it's also worth noting too that like I don't think that there would have been a single year that Urban Meyer's team didn't make the twelve team playoff either. Yeah, I, yeah, yep. So like yeah. like the the result is still Maybe the same regardless of what it takes. Thirteen? No, no, no. They would have made it twenty thirteen no. every single year. Yeah, they would have. Yeah, you're right. And so, like, even yeah. even if you're awesome. flipping this, it's like, oh, well, you couldn't make the playoff if you don't, or if you lose to Iowa or, or Purdue. Yeah, you could. Not anymore. Because, yeah, because you're also like, it, it's still the same result. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, like, all like the people who are like, like Ryan Day, yeah. Ryan Day is engineered to be in a 12 team playoff. It's like, no, he's not. He can't win big games. He hasn't beaten a big yeah. like a good team. Like, what do you? What makes you think he's, he was the engineered opposite. for the 14 playoff? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think like like Nick Saban and Urban Meyer were the guys who were engineered for a twelve team playoff because they can just like not do shit until the playoff starts and then like oh all of a yeah. sudden like that twenty fifteen team come on like if that team yeah. backs into the playoff in a twelve team playoff and then all of a sudden they start playing like oh cool you know like yeah you get a month off to get fresh yeah I mean like yeah. of course uh, yeah whereas like now you think the guy who keeps signing small classes and doesn't build depth because he doesn't let anybody practice is going to be ready to go for the playoff like. The guy who yeah. played the starter 70 snaps a game every game is going to be ready to go. No fucking yeah. way. Not a chance. Uh, yeah, I, I, they're, they're going to have like struggle to get to 85 scholarships this year, I feel like, uh, for the team. There, there's no way they're going to do that. Speaking of, I mean, we don't, uh, so that was, we got it off our chest. That's done. The yeah. game's over. It doesn't matter. The season's done. Uh, some personnel news since we were gone. Uh, I'm going to start with the departure, departures first because none of them are that notable. Yeah. Um, we did hear that Jane McKenzie, Jesse Mirko, Noah Rogers, and Bryson Rogers have transferred out since last time we talked to you. Um, that's now 18 total transfers leading the, pro- leading the program. Uh, the transfer window is now closed to enter the transfer portal, be eligible for next season. Excuse me, for anyone except graduates. Um, the only graduates that like would reasonably leave because we, you know, Emeka Buka and uh, and Lathan Ransom have their degrees, but those guys aren't going anywhere. Uh, however, Enoch Famahi and Mitchell Melton are two players who have their degrees to transfer at any point in time uh, and be eligible as a graduate transfer. Um, they didn't get their degrees in December. Uh, we heard from sources that Trey Rue will not be back at Ohio State, that his time is done. He'll walk on senior day. That's an extra departure. Um, a few guys left for the draft. Uh, we heard Michael Hall declare, uh, Steel Chambers and Tanya Eckenberg are gone. Uh, those are all the departures so far. Uh, since we last spoke. Mm-hmm. We are waiting on a few more to be confirmed. There's also a few incoming players to talk about briefly. The big name, obviously, you guys are all aware of this by now. We're not, this is not breaking news here, anybody, but the Will Howard, uh, the Kansas State quarterback, was transferred to Ohio State. I'll let you kind of take first step at this. What is your feeling on the Will Howard transfer? Where's your head at on this? So, 
I've gone back and forth on this a lot. I think even when we were talking previously, I liked Will Howard a lot more than you did. And I've been kind of yeah. bracing myself for this to happen because um, immediately when Kyle McCord declared, Austin Ward essentially said that the two quarterbacks that he would look at that he like that he that you should keep an eye on if you're an Ohio State fan were uh, Riley Leonard and um, and uh, Will, Will Howard. Howard. Yeah. Those were the two. And so like when Riley Leonard immediately went to Notre Dame, I was like, well, it seems like it's going to be Will Howard or nobody. Um, so I was I was like kind of bracing myself for Will Howard to be the guy anyway. Um, and oddly enough, I I have vivid memories of um, I was in a, a restaurant with my wife after the Ohio State Michigan game and I was watching the Kansas State versus Iowa State game. It was a super snowy game, um, like horrible conditions to play football in. And there were like a couple passes that Will Howard hit back to back. And I like just like vividly remember thinking like it's fucking insane that Kansas State has a better quarterback than Ohio State does this year. And so full circle now Kansas State's quarterback is Ohio State's quarterback. Um, I'm fine with it. I, I think that like there are probably better options. Um, maybe I, I I've talked myself into it being fine. Obviously, we both were big Caden Salter guys. We would have liked them to end up with him. Um, he's coincidentally just going back to Liberty now. I don't know what that whole deal yeah. was. Um, it tells me the whole, oh, he's a done deal to offer thing. Uh, yeah, that was as true as some folks wanted to say, Yeah, which means we could have pursued him, which makes me a little more frustrated. There are rumors about, I mean, obviously Liberty does not have the most, uh, rigorous academic, uh, requirements there or yeah. the best, uh, <laughs> they're barely an accredited university is what I would describe Right. Them. Yeah, uh, there are talks about him like not academically able to do other schools. I don't buy that, nor do I buy the off-field things. Like, wasn't this guy kicked out of Tennessee? And it was like, yeah, for having pot like four yeah. years ago. Right. It's like one of the few states is still illegal in. Yeah, whatever. That's that's again besides the point. Um, I would have loved to get Caden Salter. I would have loved to get Riley Leonard. I would have loved to get Dylan Gabriel, who they didn't really look at. Um, Michael Pratt would have been cool. He's obviously yeah. you know he's going. Yeah, I mean, Will Howard's in a tier of quarterbacks that I view as an upgrade over McCord and over what other options they had. Yeah. Um, it sucks for Devin Brown that he didn't really get a chance to show a full game in the Cotton Bowl uh, because of the injury. I feel bad for him that happened. But with the information they had and him now going to another spring being injured, they could not reasonably just sit pat uh it, the way everything looked with Brown and Keenholz, and again, that's as much Ohio State's own fault as it is those players, uh, if not more so. But knowing what they know, seeing what they've seen, they could not go into next season without adding somebody new. Um, I don't think they got the best player they could get, but they did upgrade compared to what they have with the board. Um, you know, I have concerns with Howard. Uh, I do think that he turns the ball over too much. I don't think he has the arm you would expect a guy who's six five. 240 to have. I think he has the bozo gene a little bit, uh, which a lot of good quarterbacks have and a whole lot of bad ones. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, he's mobile. He's big. He, he certainly makes plays with his legs. I am skeptical how much the quarterback run threat would be back into Ohio State's offense. It's not. Uh, at least it's that wasn't Brian mean. Day. I, yeah. yeah. Like, it, it the depends on who they point to. Yep. Sorry. Yeah, I was thinking, the things that people point to is like, oh, well, Justin Fields averaged 10 yards for or 10 carries a game in his career at Ohio State and JT Barrett ran the ball a ton. And that's all true. But then you also saw Day, like, it seems like cautioning Fields against running the more time they got into 
mm -hmm. uh, his career at Ohio State, and certainly cautioned CJ Field, uh, CJ Stroud rather against running. Um, record couldn't run. Um, I'm just skeptical that's coming back as a big threat. However, the news. We're going to talk about not right now, but shortly is that we might have a new offensive coordinator to watch out for. So yeah. maybe that changes. We'll yeah. find out. I think, well, I think the thing, this legs. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that had me, oh, that has me Howard. most optimistic about Will Howard is the fact that other schools were pursuing him too. And it wasn't just like Ryan day, just being like, yes, this is my guy. And everyone else is like, yo, what? Like, like Lincoln yeah. Riley, by all accounts, really wanted this guy too. And Lincoln Riley, say what you will about him, but he is a guy who has had prolific success getting transfer quarterbacks. Like he, for whatever reason, is like a savant at identifying a guy in the transfer portal or inducing a guy to transfer, getting his guy and turning him into like a Heisman Trophy candidate. So like you're talking yeah. about um, Kyler Murray, yeah. Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, and then Caleb Williams, if that counts. I'm not sure if you even count yeah. Caleb Williams, but I'm Jalen Hurts, that one, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Caleb, Caleb, or, uh, sorry, Jalen Hurts obviously didn't win the Heisman, but he is a starting NFL quarterback who like was a second round pick, like a great player, like worked out great for them. But yeah. like, so if if he is legitimately three for three, three slash four for four on identifying and landing a transfer quarterback, and he really wanted Riley Leonard like, or sorry, not Riley Leonard, uh, Will Howard, like that gives me a, like at least a little bit of optimism that like, maybe there's just something I'm not, I'm not seeing here. And it's not like any of the guys, like all of the guys that were in the, 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 th the three Heisman trophy candidates that were, that are, were quarterbacks this year, Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix Jr. And Bo Nix, you could say that all of them were kind of bad at their previous stop before they ended up at their new program. Um, yeah. maybe, so maybe not Jaden Daniels to, 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 uh, to the same level. I, I would describe it as Daniels and Penix both showed flashes, but weren't what they are now, obviously. Bo Nix was legit bad. Uh, Bo Nix sucked, but also had the worst situation playing for a terrible yeah. Auburn offense with like way too soon as well in his career. Yeah. That's a whole other can of worms. All, but but all, yeah. all that all that to say is just like when you get a quarterback that some that hasn't looked great in a different situation, you don't really know what it's going to be. And so like that's why I think it's insane. Like the people it's, it's really disingenuous to just like on the surface, compare Will Howard's numbers and Kyle McCord's numbers and be like, well, you know, Kyle McCord's a better quarterback. It's like, like, come on, come man. on. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 come on. It, you're talking about one of them in Ohio state's offense. And one of them in with Ryan day as their head coach, like who's tailored the offense to him. And one of them in Kansas state's offense, like it's, it, it it's not the same thing. And so like, yeah, if, if the fact that in, it's in even close, ways, it, in the fact few, that it's well, even I, close is hilarious. Yeah, I will say though it's interesting in a couple ways because like obviously McCord's skill, talent around him, and the quarterbacks coach he was working with have a much better track record of producing great passing offenses and and all those sorts of things, developing quarterbacks, right. putting receivers around you. He had more toys to play with. Will Howard also played under a better offensive line uh with a much more efficient running threat most of the time uh and also played for a very good oc at colin klein who now moves next a m so like I, I think that's true that like some of the stuff around howard that concerns me is like his average depth of target was pretty low as i recall that i think it was like six and a half yards like he was yeah. not really everyone's like oh this is big quarterback he must have a huge arm and he was mostly hitting a lot of check downs like not really mm -hmm. pushing the ball downfield in the flats and stuff you don't really yeah you don't really see him driving a laser very often mm -hmm. anywhere um, he underthrew quite a few balls, actually. But 
you know, it's hard. Like you said, a lot of things can change about a guy. I guess the thing that just concerns me is how often he throws interceptions. Does he have the arm strength and like the the brain to make these labored throws that Ryan Day likes to make at his best offense? Mm-hmm. And Day's had success without those. Like some of the stuff with Barrett and Haskins didn't always have that element to the offense. Definitely. However, the last several years when he's found his most success, that's what it's been like. Um, I don't know. I, I basically, to me, it was a necessary move. I wish they would have gotten Kane Salter because everything is true about Howard and his mobility is true about Salter and he's a yeah. better quarterback. Uh, he's one of, I think, like seven guys who threw for at least nine yards in an attempt and at least 30 passing touchdowns, something, something close mm-hmm. to that. I had the numbers pulled up previously. Uh, and the other guys are like, you know, Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, Bill Gabriel. Like, it's the best quarterbacks in the country. Yeah. So I would have preferred Kane Salter. That's no secret. I think Howard will probably be good enough to get them. If the rest of the team improves the way they're hoping it to, Will Howard is good enough to be your quarterback and win a whole lot of games and probably make a playoff run. If every other issue the team is fixed, if you're putting as much on his shoulders as you did on your previous successful teams with Justin Fields, CJ Stroud, and Dwayne Haskins, you are not going to go anywhere. That's my read on him. Like he cannot carry your team. He can be an effective piece in a larger system. If that system is improved, I have had my list of demands I made previously, and it seems like some of them are starting to get checked off here. So maybe it'll work itself out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think the thing to watch with Salter is what Ohio State's offense ends up looking like next year. Because, like, you're right. If, with Howard? If, yeah. yeah. Or, sorry, not Salter. That that would have been awesome. Yeah. Um, with no, with, with Howard, here, it's tough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with, 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 with Howard um, is what Ohio State's offense ends up looking like next year. And who's running it and who is uh, – I don't know what the rest of the personnel looks like, what the offensive line looks like. Yeah. All of those are legit questions, but like yeah. it, at the end of the day, am I like fine moving forward with Will Howard? Yeah. Cause I think it is objectively better than what Ohio state had at quarterback this year. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I, I think I'm fine. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I do think one thing I want to, I want to touch on is like some conversation from not from any media, but from fans, I'm like, oh, well, what if Devin Brown beats him in the competition? This is not a competition. No. Will Howard is coming here to start. Yep. Uh, he has, for his eligibility, he has two years to play one to get the COVID bonus here. Um, so that means in some world where he gets hurt or if he loses the battle, he could sit, only play four games a season and sit and mm-hmm. uh, be allowed to play somewhere else next year, play at Ohio State. But in all likelihood, it's not gonna the happen. expectation this is his final, it's his true senior year, it's his final year of eligibility. And he'll be done. Um, Brown is not going to take this job. I am curious to see if he transfers out despite all the burn to both stuff. Um, we do know that Ohio State made a not insignificant contribution to Deborah Brown's NIL compensation immediately before taking Will Howard as a transfer. I did hear that, which is probably not the smartest use of money uh, <laughs> if he now leaves. Because um, <laughs> I think he probably, like, if you're that kid, why would you stay? Right. Uh, you know, I mean, he he's going into his own third year. He has his career to think about. It would be hard to imagine why he would stick around. Um, in which case, is Ohio State got to take another transfer in the spring? One of their like Chris Chuganoff, uh, Gunnar Hope, you uh, Tristan Jimia yeah. knockoffs. I think they probably will do that. 
So we'll see. I mean, it sets up the Lincoln King Holtz Air Nolan battle next season, which is kind of fun uh, for 2025 seasons. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, you, you touched on personnel as well. We should probably talk about this. Um, a couple things in the offensive line. Uh, I mean, one transfer in, no transfers out. But like we said, we did hear Trey LaRue was done, not that he ever played. It also seems like Inakamahi is gone, uh, from what I've been hearing. That has not been announced anywhere. Uh, and will the transfer portal deadline has passed? He's a graduate, can transfer, or whatever. Um, I don't really see how Enoch is back next year. Uh, I don't think it's happening for a sixth season. So Seth McLaughlin, Alabama's uh, two-year starting center. He started 25 games for Alabama, uh, transferred into Ohio State. You guys remember him from uh, snapping the ball in the dirt constantly in the Rose Bowl um, <laughs> or snapping the ball in the dirt in several other games this season. McLaughlin, uh, he was good last year. 2022, he was actually good. 2023, he had kind of a nightmare season. He was not very good at either blocking or snapping. Um, he got destroyed in the Rose Bowl against Michigan frequently. Uh, there is some talk that he told Ohio State he would like to play guard. Something I've heard. However, I think if you and I put two and two together and see Ohio State bench Carson Hinsman for the bowl game, slash suspend him after a controversial podcast appearance, and then days later go pick up a two-year starting center when their yep. only other op option at center is a guy who's a true freshman this past year who's also undersized, like even more so than Hinsman, Josh Padilla, uh, Josh Padilla out of uh, Huber Heights Wayne. Um, he has yep. to be the starting center, right? It's going to be. He him. will be. He, he, I guarantee he will be. Um, the only thing, have you heard the the Alabama fans that were insisting that he was injured this year? Have you have you heard no, that talk? I have not seen this. So there there are there are Alabama fans on like the Alabama boards that like the rumor was that he had a hand injury to his right hand, and like because the apparently the snapping issues particularly kind of came out of nowhere towards the end of the season. Um, particularly like right before the Auburn game. And the the talk was that he had a hand injury that was keeping him from being able to snap. Apparently the snapping issues were not like not consistent throughout the entire season and were more of a late season thing. So I don't know. Does anyone I didn't... train ambidextrous snappers? Yeah, they should. That'd be cool. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've never snapped a football in my life. I don't know how that works. I don't know like how, how hard it would be to switch hands or like, how it would affect you know i i have no idea yeah neither um, that, was, just, that was that was just what, joking with that one yeah, yeah. yeah i know but but I, I just i i know that um i that is what alabama fans were saying towards the end of the season about the snapping issues so hmm. um i don't know how valid that is it could be completely fake and they're just trying to talk themselves into it being i don't know i have no idea um but that is something that i heard that there was a hand issue and that was why the balls were um because like a lot of the issue was like they were like slow too like it wasn't even that they were like i don't know i i, I yeah, again I'm not, I'm not an expert on snapping but apparently right. he was largely fine his entire career and then late in this season um had started having problems snapping the ball and allegedly mm -hmm. it was because of an injury so i don't know i don't know that is not yeah, my information well, and it is definitely secondhand information from a message board post on an alabama website that i don't know any of those posters so Fair enough. I guess we're going to see, like, I find it a little bit unlikely the idea of Ohio State could hold on to Carson Hinsman if Seth McLaughlin's a starting center. 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't really see the kid sticking around for you to be a backup. I also don't see him starting at guard over the other options available, whether or not Donovan Jackson comes back, still have Tiger Fishabola and Josh Fryer and, you know, even Luke Montgomery could play guard. There's, I think, a few other guys. They, like Carson was their worst lineman by far this yeah. year. Yeah. And that, like, so just for fun, for theoretical sake, if it isn't Seth McLaughlin, the other options would be Carson Hazeman keeps his job somehow. McLaughlin starts to guard, maybe, in the case like Donovan Jackson goes pro. Mm-hmm. The other theory I would kicking around, and I don't think this will happen, I just want to mention it for posterity's sake, is like Josh Fryer was recruited and listed as a, as a recruit as a center, and they need to get him on the interior because he cannot play tackle. I don't hate the idea of him. Like if, if McLaughlin truly wants to play guard and still can't snap the ball, that isn't a hand injury. It's like some mental issue or process issue they can't fix. I wouldn't hate the idea of Fryer playing center, but yeah. I mean, overall McLaughlin's a good ad, like compared to what else in the portal, being a guy who started 25 games for Alabama. Yeah, it's fine. For at least one of those it's, it's very funny, but it's also fine. Like that's, that's, that's yeah. kind of where I was at. Like I, I simultaneously was like, actually, this is a good move, but also like, you just signed it's a guy. Hilarious. Who, yeah, it's it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's hilarious. Who it's just shit his hilarious. pants against Michigan? Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very funny. Um, so yeah, we'll see how that stakes uh, how that shakes out. Basically, I mean, it seems like I mean, obviously, we have Josh Simmons as a guaranteed starter. Uh, if Donovan Jackson is back, he's a guaranteed starter. Um, Seth McLaughlin is guaranteed to start at some position, whether it's center or guard. Uh, <laughs> then you have uh, Josh Fryer. Who seems likely to start either at guard or tackle? Tyrodish Abola is very much pushing for a job, and I wonder if he may not, if doesn't have one, may not leave in a spring if he doesn't get one. I think that's a concern to point out. Um, you, besides that, I mean, I don't think Enoch's got a shot at anything. Hope, hope not. Um, George Fitzpatrick will be entering. Year three next year. Luke Montgomery's entering year two. Mm-hmm. We haven't heard much from Fitzpatrick. They liked him as a recruit. He was a small guy to put size on. Maybe Montgomery was like now. Montgomery was like the sixth guy that they would bring on. Several yeah, times during the Montgomery game seems to be next in line. I'm still curious if he's a tackle or not. Um, I, I am too. I don't know what you would do with him, but I think like that's a guy that like a year of development more. If you're not completely happy with like Josh Fryer or anything else on the offensive line, like I. You know, maybe maybe he's a guy that in a year makes a leap and is kind of in line there. I yeah. don't know. There's also there's there's talk of trying you know keeping Tegra at tackle or something. I still do not get it. I've watched that kid play in person like two or three times. I watched him play many games at Ohio State so far. He's one of the snaps. That's a guard, dude. That is a guard all the way. He's just, a Mulder guard. I like him a lot. Yeah, he has great feet for a guard, bad feet for a guard. I don't know how you conclude that like how you could conclude that he is a tackle after you already just tried him at tackle the entire last spring and decided, no, we can't do this. Like, I, I, right. And after uh, you just tried a guy with a very similar, like Fryer, Josh Fryer is a good guard. I like yeah. that guard. He can, he is a growth grader. Right. So is Tegra. Neither one of them is a tackle. Uh, and you don't necessarily, I mean, like, look, you can make it work sometimes. Like Michigan's played a lot of their season with a couple guys who probably should be guards by tackle. Um, other teams have done it to success. Georgia's done it before. Yeah. But it's not ideal. It's, it's definitely not ideal. Yeah. I will say it's very funny how Ohio State quickly went from the oops all tackles offensive line to the oops all the guards oops, offensive all line. Parts, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like it's the monkey's heard... paw sort of situation. Like, like, ah, give me, give me, give me good guards. It's like, okay. 
I've heard a connection to a few FCS guys they're pursuing, including a couple out of the Ivy League um, that could be tackle fits. Micah Sahakian is one of the names I've heard. I think it's Sahakian, Sahakian, I don't know, uh, from Cornell. Um, yeah. Fun uh, fun Google for a surprise. Look up him on Google. Look at his, uh, look at his picture on the Cornell website. Very amusing. You spell his name, Micah, M-I-C-A-H, Sahakian, S-A-H-A-K-I-A-N. Um, great profile picture for him. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> he looks like Bluto from a. Uh, um, that is wild. Uh, Animal House, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, fine yeah, with he's that. Cool. Imagine but lining up against that. A, yeah. Oh God, they gotta get a tackle. Is what I would yeah, say. I agree. Um, but besides that, they also landed Will Merrick, who's a tight end from Ohio. Cool. Um, they're talking him up. I, I know. And Berm of the podcast and Rivals.com has expressed some, um, our buddy, has expressed some positive thoughts about him. Uh, our co-owner of our website, Patrick Mayhorn, has expressed some negative thoughts about him, having watched Ohio play a good bit. Uh, Patrick walks, watches about as, match, um, about as much Mac football as anybody else. That's a hard for, that's, that's for me to say, Jesus. Um, <laughs> he has not had positive thoughts on Jack Merrick. Uh, he kind of used it. He's, I think the phrase he used was, a completely forgettable player and a completely forgettable offense, uh, which is always cool. a great sign. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, that's like usually what Ohio State's tight ends are. So uh... true. The BFF grades aren't good. Not through the end all be all, but I'm not going to go back and watch any more of Ohio football than I did this year. I probably no. watched three of their games. I'm I sure won't more. either. Um, I don't expect. I mean, they had to do something because we assume Cade is gone. Although that's not officially been announced yet. Yeah. Um, G Scott can't play. Uh, then you have Jelani Thurman, who Sam, hasn't played. Yeah, Thurman um, might play a role. Bennett Kershaw, we've seen nothing from. Sam Hart, we've seen nothing from. Those guys are now three and four years into career, respectively. Mm-hmm. The tight end um, position is really wild because I simultaneously am like optimistic about the future of the program in terms of the guys they just signed and like Jelani Thurman being in there. But like the playable guys with like tight end, like college football bodies right now are not very good by any means. No. And you can't just like play the freshman. No, not really. Usually not. Unless they're Brock Bowers or like, right. uh, who was the kid at Notre Dame for a few years? Oh um, God. Michael Mayer. Yeah. Michael Mayer. Yeah. Those guys are pretty few and far between, but, uh, yeah, we'll see there. I mean, I assume Cac Merritt's going to start or split time with G Scott based on him coming in here. I know I don't think he's going to be on the bench, so they're probably not taking anybody else either. I think there is a chance they lose Kate to the draft. That's likely. There's some buzz about Demarion Whitten that I've heard moving to, moving to wide receiver uh, for the season because they're low on receivers. He is like kind of a flex tight end, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a tweener on size. They only have eight scholarship receivers right now uh, if no one else leaves, which is already low. So, and they're not going to take a transfer because of who they have in. And they don't want right. to lose anybody else. So I could see Whitten moving to receiver for now uh, yeah. and then coming back to it in the future. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, those are the transfers in. Um, do you want to go through some of the draft positions? Yeah, sure. Um, I think we got so far. Um, who is declared? Declared has been Michael Hall, Steel Chambers, Tommy Eichenberg. I think we already talked about that. The yep. um waiting on are Henderson. Oh, there are, there, there are also four announced back for the Yeah, sorry, sorry. The the four yeah. announced back are Tyler Williams, Lathan Ransom, Cody Simon, and Jack Sawyer. They're all coming back. Um, we're waiting on official word from Henderson, uh Trevion Henderson, Emeka Buka. Um, Cade Stover, who we expect to be gone, um, Marvin Harrison Jr., 
Don't know about that one. We'll have to see. Um, <laughs> Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, JT Tumaloal, Donovan Jackson. Uh, the deadline for that is Monday, January 15th, which is a week from today, tomorrow. Depending on when you hear this. Depending yeah. on where you hear this. Uh, about a week. Um, so do you want to just like go through and say stay or gone, I guess? Yeah. Well, the first one is the one I think it's going to take some actual talking about. Yeah. Uh, and the rest of them will be quick, I think. But Yeah, I think so too. Because the, the thing around Trey Henderson is that there are a lot of rumors around Ole Miss's Quinshawn Judkins transferring to Ohio State. Um, yeah. Which is fascinating. Yeah. Uh, Judkins is, for next season, maybe the only back in America coming back that I would say is better than Trey Henderson. Yeah. Uh, maybe Raheem Sanders at uh, Arkansas, but did he transferred to, I don't remember. What about the, um, the Oklahoma State kids? Pretty damn good too. Ollie Gordon. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I forgot about him. Uh, okay. But either way, they're both in that like yeah, eighth they're in, year of running backs. Yes, yes. So my calculus is that, because like, there's been all stuff that like, Judkins has been attached to by multiple reporters, again, including Jeremy Birmingham uh, of Rivals, among other people. Um there's also the stuff about his Instagram follow-ups that all over Buckeye Which is players. very funny, yeah. He's followed like 12 Ohio State players, including Reese Stockdale, the walk-on wide receiver. Uh, <laughs> I love so that. So he's deep into it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think he would have a lot of interest. I don't think him and Henderson would play together. That'd be really, really funny. Yeah. I, I well, think, here's what I'd say. I think you, you could were going to have... You will have no more than two of Trey Henderson, Dallin Hayden, and Quinshawn Judkins in the roster next year. Yeah, and so here's my thing. If Quinshawn Judkins wants to come and Travion Henderson, even with Travion Henderson staying, you take him. I don't care yes, if, it, if it like if if it yeah. if it makes Dallin Hayden transfer. Like I love Dallin Hayden. We've been talking about him getting more carries, whatever. If you could have a backfield for one year of Travion Henderson and Quinshawn Judkins, you do it and you figure it out later. Like that's you, you have to. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's not the most likely at all, but. Here's an interesting factoid that uh, I can't believe. <laughs> and it maybe it doesn't mean anything. Maybe it does. Dallin, so we have a member of our board, and frequent listener this podcast, who posted on the Meet Midfield Message Board. We'll reveal a little inside info here. Uh, I won't say his name because I don't know if he wants it out there because uh, he is public on Twitter too. This guy does not like make edits for recruits or anything like that. He's just a regular guy on Twitter. Uh, Dallin Hayden followed him and asked if he makes edits. Now, what would he need an edit for? (laughs) 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 I love that. I love that. What else would he need an edit for except transfer? Yeah. I also love the fact that, like, by all accounts, like, Ohio State is, like, willing to do edits for guys, even if they're leaving the program and stuff like that. And he's just, like, seeking out random people online. Anyway, that's very funny. Um, yeah. But but like, if I I have heard I have heard the possibility from both people who are morons and are just like talking shit, and people who like actually are in the weeds of this, that it is not insanely far fetched that Judkins and Henderson could play together, under the premise that both are clearly NFL guys. They don't yeah. really need to do that much to earn their NFL stock anymore. And the fact that they could both be splitting carries with each other 
and keep like, tread off kind the of tires, keeping yeah. tread off the tires and stuff like that. Um, could like that could be seen as a positive for both of the guys because the reality is like if Travion Henderson comes back, we have seen how reluctant Ryan Day is for whatever reason to play Dallin Hayden. Maybe it's Tony Alford's call or whatever. If Travion Henderson comes back, practice, yeah, he is getting all of the carries. He is going to get the bell cows number of carries. If Quinshawn Judkins goes anywhere else, he is getting the like large number of carries. Nobody's going to pay like whatever his transfer portal money is to give him like half the carries. Ohio State would. Ohio State would give him half of Travion Henderson's carry. Like they would be glad to do that and have just the two best running backs in the country. So I like. Of I course. think that it's it's, yeah. it's it's not that unrealistic of a possibility if those guys it's are thinking logically crazy. about the NFL. Conceptually, it's not crazy, but my calculus is, and maybe this is a little more, I don't know, skeptical or or pessimistic, but like you and I said on this podcast, like, you know, a month ago when there was initial talk that, oh, Trey Henderson might come back. Like it was like, you know, some insiders, you know, Alex Lightman of on three were starting to report that Henderson was leaning towards coming back. We were both like, why? Why, yeah. <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> Like, you're a guy who's been hurt quite a bit. You're healthy yeah. right now. You're going to test very well at the combine. You're a running back. You don't have that long. The All the NIL shit about, like, oh, Ohio State could, you know, like, the, the Ohio State could pay Marvin $20 million NIL. No, that's not real. Like, that doesn't happen. Yeah. If Henderson's a top 75 pick, he's going to make more guaranteed money than he would off NIL. Um, 100%. Yeah. And he will be a top 75 pick. 100%. Yeah. He is, uh, I mean, I, I got to look at, let's see, running backs, the You mean to tell crap. me Ohio State's not going to offer him $11 million to come back? <laughs> I'm, I'm pulling up here to see, uh, let's see who's who's out there for running backs this year. I mean, what, Blake Corr will be a draft pick, but I don't think he's above. No. Uh, above oh, it's Trey. the I Texas mean, kid. Braylon Braylon Allen is in there. Braylon Allen's from um, from Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's uh Trey Benson from Florida State. Yeah. I think he's gone. Right. Uh, yep. Bucky Irving from Oregon. Is he coming back? Yep. Did he say? I think he's, he's gone, back, but right? he's an he's an undersized guy. Regardless, I don't think he's going to be a super high NFL draft pick. Yeah, probably right. Um, hmm, okay, yeah, Bucky Irving is going to the draft. Uh, Corum, Jonathan Brooks from Texas, you mentioned Will Shipley said he is declaring. Yeah, this is uh, a really weak Allen. running back class. That's what I, I mean. Like he's gonna be like he's gonna be the best running back. Running like, back. Like, like probably pretty pretty clearly. Yeah. It'll be like him and like Jonathan Brooks. That's who I was thinking out of Texas. Like those those are the two guys that like are gonna end up being the top two two picks in the, in the draft. Yeah. yeah so I, why not go pro, dude? Like that's that's what I, I, have, I, I have. I don't. This makes no sense at all to me that he would even consider going back. Um, which is why I'm thinking the early emotion after the Michigan game wore off. He yep. thought about it and talked to his family and was like, "Look, what else are you going to prove? What else are you going to do? Do you want to get yeah. hurt again? Then what? Right. Just go pro. And then if Judkins comes into Ohio State, that's great because they still have an eight year running back. Yeah. But I think even probably fits they do better. As much as I love Trey. Yeah, I, um, they're both great. I think I think if Ohio State ends up in some capacity with Judkins or Henderson, everything's fine. If they can end up with yeah. both of them by some great miracle, that's like the coolest thing that's ever happened. But um yeah. so so my parlay prediction is Henderson gone, Judkins in. Okay. Yeah. I, I just because it makes no sense at all that he would come back, like from the start, no sense at all. I I would say Henderson gone, probably Judkins in too. 
I, I did not think yeah. for a second that Ohio State was going to get this kid as soon as he entered the portal, to be clear. Like, I, you guys can come dunk on me on that. Like, I immediately, as soon as it Same. happened, was like Georgia or Alabama. So, like, if that happens, like, props to Ryan Day, props to Ohio State for identifying him and getting him in because that's, that's, yeah. Incredible. This is like, and legitimately, also, it, it, <laughs> this is like, this is the best portal edition. If, if they get him, it'd be the best portal edition since Justin Fields. Like, that's, it, he's that good. Is that, um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. And also, like, some of the reporting that he's very tight with Davis and Vinoson, which, which helps. Like, I that makes sense. Kind of yeah. They were teammates. They also had Tywan Malone, who's a teammate of his. Um, yeah. Here's the other thing, though, and again, not to, like, cast negative aspersions here, but if Henderson does go and they don't get Junkins, somehow Alabama or Georgia commits him at the last second, yep. they're, I mean, they're fucked at running back. <laughs> they, have, they would have, <laughs> like, I love James Peoples. He was balling out in all America. Yeah. I thought he was very good. Uh, and Dalton's solid, but like that's, it's still it's still not good. All it's the not yeah, good. all the top backs have committed. Like give the Miami Ohio kid Rashad Amos is still out there for now. The the only Carolina. the only thing you would be like hoping for is that like some running back sees that in like the spring and is like, yeah, I'll come be your starting running back. Like like the Trey uh, Trey Sanders or um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Richard Young as Alabama. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like something, something Logan like Diggs that. Logan Diggs from LSU is out there. You have uh, Brian Batty's a small back from Auburn who used to be at USF. But I love the way he plays. Um, who else is even out there right now? Uh, I like Deion Hankins from UTEP. Um, I like John Lee Eldridge from Air Force. Uh, I like Javon Jackson from Austin P a little yeah. bit. So there's there's, there's a few there's a few guys there's options that could and, and for luckily, a one A starter. No, you're yeah, fine. None. There's none. Yeah. yeah, you're screwed. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't love that if he, if he's gone. Um, but like nope. hypothetically, <laughs> hypothetically, if he's gone, like if, if Henderson is gone, then that frees up a lot of NIL money, you would have to assume. And you could just simply give that to Judkins. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, like, like in, in terms of just like quote unquote cap space, it feels like they, they should be able to get one of them. Both would be insane, and I am skeptical that both could happen. Um, I, I could talk myself into it, and it'd be really cool, but yeah. Yeah. If you have one of them with Hayden and Peoples and Sam Williams uh, Dixon, you're fine for this year. You're yeah. thin, but you're fine. I would feel a lot better if they – there's a couple kids who are still out there as recruits who haven't signed yet who are like top 500 recruits as running backs. I would feel a lot better getting one of them yeah, uh, and have five scholarship guys, but I don't think they'll do that, <laughs> but I would, I would love to have that happen. That'd be nice. And they're going to probably sign three next year. We've heard that for the last two years, whatever. Okay. Onumekabuka, he's back, right? He's back. Yeah. Kate Stover. Kate Stover is gone. He's gone. He's gone. Um, what about uh, Marv? Marv is gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'm starting to get the sense that Denzel Burke and Jordan Hancock are both. I think so too. I think they are too. I think, I think they're playing the game. I think Denzel Burke decided a while ago that he's back because he basically said he's made his decision, but he's not going to announce it until like the 10th or whatever it was. That's a really stupid yeah. thing to do because like people talk, I'd be pissed if some like GA leaked to some, you know, person on Twitter that Burke was coming back and, uh, it made him switch his mind and go to the NFL instead. I don't think that's what's yeah. going to happen. I think all of the tweets about like, I never said this, like it's just, he's playing the game and he's going to announce that he's back. Um, yeah. I think, I think both of them are back. 
I don't know about JT. I think I think it's another guy where money is going to win out the promotion, uh, which it should. I mean, it's very yeah. smart. Um, so the only the only thing I will say about JT is Trey Henderson cannot improve his draft stock. Like he's just not going to. He's going to be the best running back in this class. Like there's not like it, it, his draft stock is going to get worse if he comes back due to nothing of his own next season. I think that JT could radically improve his draft stock with a better uh, season. Like, I think that's a guy that like has all the talent in the world and probably should be like a, you know, top 15 pick with the talent that he has and the pure athleticism and stuff. Um, but he's not going to be if he leaves this year. So like if, if you're, if NIL money plus potential more money next year is part of the calculus, as opposed to just guaranteed money this year, like in the NFL, um, I, I could see that being a legit conversation. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, the other thing, though, is like it's a good, not great defensive end class in the draft. Like you yeah. have Liatu Latu, who's really good from UCLA. Dallas Turner is like a stand up edge rusher. You have Jared Verbs, you have Chop Robinson, Braylon Schreitz. And then other than that, it's you have Adisa Isaac from Penn State. I think it's the, probably the next best guy. Yeah. So, like, He's going in the top five or six edge rushers, which is fringe first round pick. And yeah. I think there's been quite a few players in NFL and Ohio State the last few years. I'm thinking of like Baron Browning, uh, of Zach Harrison, of Jonathan Cooper, who were doing better in the NFL and did at Ohio State because of Ohio State's speed limitations we've talked about many times uh, for their defensive ends. That I think an NFL team can talk himself into. Okay, he has the tools. The production's not been awesome, but he has the tools clearly, and we can make him something better. And that's worth the top fifty pick. Yeah, I think JT's gone. I tend to think he's. I'm going to say I'm going to differ, and I think he's going to stay. I think okay. there is he actual. That's huge. Yeah. I think there is actual incentive for him to stay, whereas I don't see any incentive at all for Travion Henderson. Like I, I do think that, like again, I mentioned, like I think this is a guy that is, like top fifteen draft pick level talent um yeah and is gonna but have it, to settle it, if he what's holding him back from that happening from being a top 15 pick yeah what what if your opinion has limited his production compared to his recruiting potential so far coaching <laughs> the scheme and, and so who do we who do we know is back for next year larry johnson his is coach. for sure back it's the so like <laughs> The only thing, and we're going to, we're going to get into this as part of the, um, offense, the coaching staff shakeup is like, I, I do think there's a very solid chance that they end up with a, um, defensive line coach in waiting essentially situation next year. And maybe that guy, maybe like Larry Johnson ends up being just like a figurehead sort of scenario while the other coach, like, I, I, I could see it. I could see it. And maybe they're talking him into that. Like, Hey, you're, we're going to play more of a um, odd front. You're going to be more of a, um, you know, four eyes sort of guy. Like we're going to do more. I don't know. I, I, I could see them selling that to him um, and getting him to come back on the premise that it's going to be a radically different scheme and they're going to let him uh, kind of play in that and boost his NFL draft stock that way. Because I, th- I think the truth is like that is an inherent boost to his draft stock. 
if you if he can put on tape that he can play on two different schemes. Like if he can play a yeah, pure four three yeah. front and then go in and play like an odd front two and thrive in it, maybe even do better on an odd front next year. Like that's great. Like if if they're if they're sold on doing that and they can tell him we're sold on doing that, like I I would believe that. Now that's pure speculation. Like obviously right. I don't know that that's what's happening, but I could see that happening. Yeah, I mean that's fair, and maybe it does. Maybe it does. I um. I hope for our sake we get him back. Obviously, I'd like to have him. But I think you're also, in my opinion, you're on a one-in-one-out policy with JT Tumalo and Kenyatta Jackson, which obviously Mm -hmm. you take JT. That's not a question. However, your depth starts getting really fucking scary Yep. uh, once you lose Kenyatta, which I think would happen if JT comes back. Yep. In fact, I'm a bit surprised it didn't happen at the deadline. Yep. Uh, Which could be to me at the end of the year that he's gone, but we'll see. Um. They're going to have like four real defensive end scholarship next year because they're calling Mitchell Melton, I think, a defensive end and Josh Lavinia's, but those guys are jacks. Yeah. Um, so you have Sawyer, Tumalau, Curry, maybe Kenyatta, and Edric Houston. Uh, that's the list. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it, it's not great. It's not great. We've we've talked at length about how brutal that defensive end situation is. Uh, we talked about it on signing day. Um, not great. And it's, it's really hard. Like while getting JT and Jack Sawyer back this year would pretty much solve the problem for next year. Like, I think they'd be fine, especially if you've got like Caden Curry and then like a freshman Edric Houston, um, is your like two backups maybe like in the, in that situation. Um, assuming like Canada Jackson would transfer in that situation. I think that you're fine for next year, but the year after that gets real bad because it's tough to add transfer guys and have depth because if you add transfer guys on top of guys who were thinking this is their chance to start i don't know it it, it gets it gets real tough and your depth is not going to be good in the future we don't need to relitigate that yeah you know you know what we think about the the future of the defensive line position um specifically the defensive ends but not great yeah yeah um so I think he's gone. You think he's staying. Yep. We'll see on that one. So, so far we differed on just JT and Henderson, right? Yep. Uh, and the last one's Donovan Jackson. I don't think he's good enough to play in the NFL right now. However, yeah. I'm getting a weird sense that he's going to go. I, I, I was getting that too. Like the Jalen Marshall. Just the vibe. Yeah. Or like the the Noah Brown. Noah Brown. Like sort of, yeah. Like those sort of ones that's just like, what are you doing? The, the Luke Whipplers. That's like, are you sure? Um. Yeah, it's worked out for Luke. Yeah, it has. It has. It has. But um, yeah, that's kind of the vibe I get too. But I, I think maybe logical went out and he'll be back because I think that's a guy that needs. He's right now not good enough to play in the NFL. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll see that one again. We'll find out by the fifteenth of January. Um, all right, we're gonna talk about coaching stuff in a second. That's kind of the big show here, and you know. uh, we still haven't gotten to it yet. It's a big work of football scoop. Before we do that, we're going to tell you about home field apparel, or rather, my good friend Kevin is going to tell you about home field apparel. Yeah, home field apparel is our one and only sponsor. They are our one and only clother. Um, we would not have clothes as as professional podcasters if home field apparel did not provide. Um, they and frank, frankly, and thankfully, it is very comfy, very cozy, um, the softest vintage inspired collegiate sports apparel that you can find on the internet. Um, and oh, they've yeah. got 
tons of um, Buckeye stuff. But if you're not even into that one, I don't know how you've made it this far into this podcast, but they've got tons of stuff from a bunch of different schools. Maybe you are a Buckeye fan, but you went to a Mac school or, um, you know, just a, a different school. They probably have you covered there too. So if you're a Bowling Green guy, a Toledo guy, um, any any sort of thing, any school that pretty much any school you could dream up anywhere. Um, yeah, they've, they've got. What if they have Mount there. Union gear yet? We should get some Mount Union gear on that. Fun yeah, right. Uh, you're, you're gonna. You're either gonna be very very impressed or sad with our beloved sponsor when you're about to find out. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean the Mount Union. The Mount Union. Oh. Need to get them on that. <laughs> Guess that um, like a lot of great hats, ja- yeah, yeah, hats, There's... jackets, all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, and if you could you... buy some Washington gear to support, yeah, yeah to celebrate the national title. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and if you have not purchased from Homefield Apparel yet, you can use the code Meet at Midfield for fifteen percent off your first order. If you have bought from Homefield Apparel and you want to buy again, um, you know, just leave in the comments that we sent you. Uh, they'll be happy with us. They're already happy with us. They're our good friends. But um, yeah, go to Homefield Apparel, shop the great selection of vintage-inspired Ohio State and uh, other college shirts, pants. Do they have pants? I don't know if they have pants. That could be. They do have pants. In fact, I got my okay. girlfriend some for Christmas. Uh, cool. She's an Iowa alum, so I got her. Oh, some. I love that. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, sorry about. They do some loss. Youngstown State gear on there. Youngstown State stuff is cool. Yeah, yeah, I have seen that. I love, I love the the penguin stuff. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff on there. If, if you just like, or if you're a football guy, um, you just like all levels of football. Sometimes it's fun to just like peruse the website and be like, I bet they have gear. I bet they don't have gear of blank, and uh, they probably do. So, um, just go and see some of the cool stuff they have. Um, we do, and they are uh, near and dear to our hearts. So. You want to get into this football scoop report. I think you have it pulled up. I don't have it pulled up. I should have had it pulled up. Yeah. But I'll let you, I'll let you dig into the meat of it. The the gist, I'll give you the TLDR before you read it, is yep. there's going to be some some changes coming to Ohio State staff. Um, Ryan Day has essentially decided to hire an offensive coordinator, um, and nobody's job on the offensive side of the ball is safe besides Brian Hartline. And it sounds like Parker Fleming is finally going to get ousted and um, potentially somebody on the defensive side of the ball as well. Yeah. So so I'll cover this before I read it by saying we've heard a fair bit of this and posted about it on the site already. Um, some of it, some of the specific language here is pretty interesting because it seems like they may, which is not necessarily surprising, they may have more knowledge on this than we do. Um, mm-hmm. um, so I'm going to read the first four paragraphs for you guys. A brief postseason break has ended with the Ohio State staff told to expect multiple coordinator changes, sources told Football Scoop on Friday. Ryan Day informed the staff he plans to hire a new offensive coordinator, and that coordinator will be empowered to evaluate the current staff and make new hires if he believes that will improve the team, sources said. Ryan Hartline, a Buckeye alum who has recruited and developed multiple first-round picks, including the Brady Blitnikoff Award winner Marvin Harrison Jr., is expected to be safe, though. Quarterbacks coach Corey Dennis on expiring contract. Uh, Hartline is told, or, sorry, Hartline has held the coordinator title this season for the Buckeyes. Those sources reaffirmed football scoop that Day has remained intricately involved in the offense. One way to describe that. Um, <laughs> changes are believed likely to occur in all three phases for the Buckeyes. It is expected that Buckeye special teams will have a new leadership next season, and Ryan Day is also expected to make a change on the defensive staff as well. 
the AFCA convention opens in earnest Sunday in Nashville. It's long been viewed as a job seeking and job filling event. The, the college football calendar has been greatly accelerated to earlier changes in recent years. Uh, multiple sources told footballscoop.com that members on Friday, that members of the Buckeye staff have already spoken with some outside programs around the country. So what we can learn, so, so basically a lot of that's known, right? We, we kind of knew that Parker Fleming and Corey Dennis were gone. Yep. The fact that Day is now semi-publicly committing to bring in a play caller and offensive coordinator is exciting. We've asked for it for the past two seasons. Finally got it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the change of the defensive staff could be read a couple different ways. Some folks are reading that as the idea that, like, Harry Eliano or Larry Johnson are being fired and replaced by someone new. I don't think that's what's happening. I think the indication is that someone on the staff is going to take over special teams, probably Keenan Bailey is what I've heard, and Parker Fleming is going to be replaced with a defensive coach. The two names that have been thrown out there most frequently, um, I will say one of the first names we heard, and this was first reported by Austin Ward of Rivals.com, but I've also heard it uh, myself and kind of corroborated a bit, is that Jason Taylor has spoken to Ohio State about like details, including contract length and terms. Uh, there's also the possibility of James Lord Knight coming out as linebackers coach. Uh, Taylor, basically what I have said and you've, and you've said as well is that the whole co-defensive line coach idea that coaching waiting for Larry Johnson was probably pretty unrealistic because no coach worth his salt was going to agree to do that yep. <laughs> and be a junior coach for a year or two. However, Jason Taylor's already a co-defensive line coach, which also yep. Joe Salovey at Miami, which helps. Um, if it's Taylor, the indication would be that they do their best to keep Laurinaitis on staff as a GA for one more season before he gets the linebacker coaching job. Yep. Maybe wishful thinking. I think he might have some offers. Yeah. I, I That is similar to what I have heard. I am skeptical that Perry Liano will return. I, from, from, from other things that I have heard, um, I, Put in putting two to two and two together with a few things that other people have told me. I'm skeptical that Barry Eliana returns. Um, we will we will see. I am not a hundred percent convinced, um, one way or another. But it it does seem that they are going to go with the or at least try to go with the approach of Larry Johnson getting a um or having a co defensive line coach. I think that's one way or another that ends up happening. Um, and I'll be curious to see what it all looks like, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think one way or another that will be what the, um, what ends up happening at least on the defensive line. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, the Eliano stuff, like, I would say that I think the reasoning for it is pretty clearly justifiable, right? Like, right. I, I get why you would do it. I also, the safeties, I wouldn't do it, but I do understand the premise because the, the safeties on the field have been good. However, the recruiting, um, he simply missed on too many of his top guys, right? I mean, uh, you had last year, the big name they missed on was obviously Caleb Downs, who, 
uh, started as a freshman for Alabama, was like maybe their second best defensive player as a true freshman, mm-hmm. and probably their best player in the Rose Bowl. Um, then it continued this year. He passed on uh, Terry and Nichols and Reggie Powers State of Ohio, both the South Power programs that looks like a minute state. Given that he missed his number because he also missed on uh, his top targets of KJ Bolden, Saquon Patterson, Peyton Woodyard, Josiah Trader, and then he ended up playing receiver for Miami, but you know, they recruited him as a safety. And then also missed late on Coy Parrish, who became the All-American Bowl MVP of the Minnesota Commission. That's a lot of guys to miss on. Yeah. And they're like two or three players under their target number of safety for next season. Now. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I think get that, why you can. I that, get it. That coupled with the somewhat mismanagement of Sonny Styles, who is like a generational athlete, and you just have him playing deep safety and stuff like that. Like, I don't well, know whose call that is. Yeah. I don't think that's Carolina's fault. I think. Yeah. yeah. But, I don't, but it, yeah. One, one way or another, all of that is a. It, it's not, it, it has not been ideal and ideal for the future. It safeties. So yes. I, 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 the ransom didn't come back. They were, they were, they were, yeah, they were completely screwed. So I am, I'm interested to see what happens there. The way it, it was, it was presented to me a couple weeks ago that there would be a coaching change on the defensive side of the ball. And I did not believe it as in a coach was getting fired, like not as in a mm. coaching change as in a coach was yeah. getting fired. And I was yeah. hoping that it was like going to be um, Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like, that's, that's kind of what I assumed. This was like two weeks ago or whatever. And um, that was before the football scoop thing came out. And then the football scoop thing came out. And um, I heard again from a different person that it was Perry Leon. So we will see. Um, maybe that's completely mm. fake, but um I, I had heard multiple times that there will be somebody fired from the defensive staff. So would you, I know I expressed my thought, would you want Perry Galliano fired? Probably not. I don't think I would do it. Um, I think he's yeah. been, he's been fine. I, I don't think that that's like the one position on the defense that I, you know, if there's anybody, anything on the team that I would want changed, I don't even think he makes like the top five. Um, yeah. Again, like, I don't know. That could be Jim Knowles just not vibing with him. It could be, I know that he puts a lot of emphasis on his safeties and he wants his safeties to be, they're very important to the game. Maybe he just doesn't feel like his recruiting or it's matching up. Maybe he wants to give Tim Walton control of the safeties too. Like, I, I really don't know. I don't know what the conversation would be. Um, I like Pierre Iliano, Iliano. I always have. I really like his way of developing players. Um, and I don't think the safeties have been bad by any means. I think they were worse last year and they were better this year. So to me, that means that there's improvement and improvement and development and stuff too. So I don't know. Um, I don't think I would make that move, but again, like you said, like I understand the logic behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, it's also worth noting that a player or not a player, rather a coach who's currently available. And the reason if Eliano does go a major contributing reason would be that, uh, Former Indiana defensive coordinator and a former Jim Knowles assistant. He was, you know, a, um, an AFCA coach of the year finalist at Duke. Uh, Matt Carreri, who was also an Ohio State analyst in 2022, mm. is available again. He was not like quote unquote fired really from Indiana. Uh, yeah. Kurt Zagetti brought in his own staff uh, and yeah. didn't retain anyone from the Indiana defense. Yeah. Carreri is a guy who I think is a very good coach. I wanted him on staff before the Eliano hire. I was happy with Eliano, but my first yeah. like, want was Carreri. It could, yeah, it could just, it could be one of those situations where Knowles just like wants, he wants his guy. You know, 
Yeah. yeah. It's it's not like a, it's, it's one of those, like, I, I hesitate. This is not a fair comparison, but like Ryan Day firing stud and getting Justin Fry, like yeah, obviously stud needed to be fired, but you know. Yeah. 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 Sometimes you just fight your guy. I get it. Yeah. Um, I, if it's Guerrero, that's easy. That makes sense. Yeah. If it's just like random coach X. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of questioning what are we doing here? Um, yeah, I don't know. But I don't know. I think it's I think it works. Uh, um we'll see about that one. Uh the special teams one obvious, Corey Dennis obvious. The idea of this is so we're talking about who the new coordinator could be in a second. Before we do that, the other staff changes they could make. Anyone except Heartline could be vulnerable, right? Like oh, yeah, I know 100%. Ryan Day like likes Keenan Bailey, but if some new guy comes in, Keenan Bailey's a nobody. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think I think that, like like you were saying, there's a chance that Keenan Bailey just. I mean, he just got promoted last year, but I think there's a chance that he could get slid to special teams coach, which would be infuriating if we just ran it back with another just random special teams coach. But, well, uh, yeah, I think he would handle special teams or keep tight ends, but do something else too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I could I could see him being like tight ends coach and special team, you know, like an offensive analyst, something like that. Yeah. Kind of like he, how he could also how, land on his feet. Yeah. We're noting. Like, because he, I mean, he interviewed for that East Carolina office coordinator job. He could very well get right. a gig at the convention. Right. Yeah. So, which starts today as we're recording. So, um, yeah, the, the, the coaching convention or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's very, very interesting all around. I think, like, like you're saying, like, I wouldn't be shocked by anybody. I wouldn't be shocked if literally, I, I, I assume that Corey Dennis is gone. Um, they're not going to pick up, pick up his contract again. Um, yes, hundred yeah. percent. So, I don't, I don't Justin really know. Fr- I, like, I would not want to get interesting. Justin Fry yet. I, I know he had a terrible result in the bowl game, but this is I. This is this is really funny though because it's a it's a way of like Ryan Day just like Pontius piloting this, like washing his hands of the situation, and like he doesn't actually have to deal with the problems. He's just making somebody else do it. And it's like, I don't know, man, my hands are tied. Yeah. I gave him control. Classic to do it. So like, yeah. Yeah. So like, I, I, I think it's very funny. And that for that reason, I could sincerely see them all getting fired because you bring in an offensive coordinator and he's like, no, like I want to hire my guys. Um, so I, I, I think, I think the guys who I would be happiest sticking around ranked would be Tony Alford. Well, Heartline, obviously he's going to stay Heartline probably keep Tony Alford. I'd be fine with that. Um, he and like next would probably be Justin Fry, and then obviously um, Parker Fleming or Parker Fleming and Corey Dennis and um, yeah. I mean, th- there are a lot of folks who are unhappy with Tony Elford. I, I don't. I'm not one of them. I think he's been here since 2015, his first yeah. season. He's had one bad running back year that entire time, uh, and it was 2021. No, yeah. sorry, 2022. Trey's second year when everyone was, everyone was hurt, basically. Right. But th- that was a bad year. But besides that, like, the recruiting misses are very frustrating. Missing on Fletcher and Lyle and Marshall over the last couple of years sucks. Yep. But also, and his numbers are bad right now, but his room's good. Every Maybe he gets Judkins again. And it's, he, he swings back yeah. to good. Yeah. That's no. what I mean. He just finds, like, <laughs> like, I, every year it's somehow I know, is good. I, I have wanted to pitch I mean. him every I, I, single year. And every year it's somehow good. Even the year that they yeah, had to start and, Mayan Williams, it was like, oh, Mayan Williams was really good. Like, And there's always at least one or two top 100 guys in the room. 
almost yeah. every time. Yeah. Like, so even though it, it's really annoying and frustrating most of the time, it seems to work out. Constantly. It's somehow good. Yeah. It's like, it's like the kid who never studies for his exams and like doesn't pay attention in class and then just like shows up and like pulls a like B minus and you're like, yeah, like that, that's, that's How Tony Alford. That? Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Bailey, who knows? I have no idea what to expect on him, honestly. That's, I think could just be a position so insignificant that a coach wouldn't care. And he seems to be yeah. a good recruiter, Like, there's some benefits there, but, um, Fry. Yeah. I mean, I could see one way or the other. It, it depends what the offensive coordinator wants out of his line, right? Like yep. if he doesn't want the things that Fry is good at running or wants a better recruiter. Or or in terms of just like having relationships too. Like it depends on yeah. who you hire. Like if you hire somebody who has a really good relationship with a really good offensive line coach, it's like, yeah, of course. Like, sorry, Justin Fry. Like I'm bringing in my yeah. guy instead. Like it entirely depends on relationships, what they want to do. And like, I don't know. Um, I think you just published a list of, um, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's, we, let's, we can do. I don't. I don't. We probably don't need to go through your entire list because some of them no. are just like bullshit. Some of them but, are quick hitters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, you, you I'll, I'll let you do. You can take the lead on this because this is your list. Yeah, there, there's two names that have been floated that I think would be fucking disasters as internal hires. Uh, they're both analysts for Ohio State. One is Todd Fitch. One is Joe Philbin. Uh, Todd Fitch is a 59 year old analyst. Uh, he's been fired as a coordinator for performance like six times in his career. Uh, basically the only reason he's working here is because he was the offensive coordinator whenever Ryan Day was at Boston College uh, as a GA. And uh, he can't get a better job because he sucks. Uh, Joe Philbin is a former uh, NFL coordinator and O-line coach. Uh, he hasn't run an, he's run an offense once uh, uh, in the last 12 years um, and is on the wrong side of 60. I don't see how either one could be the higher. They both floated. That'd be insane. Philbin is currently connected to Iowa as their OC, if that tells you anything. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't think those are realistic at all. Even like, even for Ryan day, I don't think he's that much of a moron. I think if he's giving up play calling duties, he's not going to hire a yes man to give up, give up play calling duties. Like I just, yeah. yeah, it would, it would, but I think that he's feeling enough heat that he is actually going to make a significant move. Um, yeah. So I, I, I just, I refuse to believe that I, as much as I hate Ryan day, as much as I think it's bullshit. Like I refuse to believe those are the guys. Yeah. Fair enough. I think there are three, Real names in the college ranks right now that I'm looking at, maybe three or four. Uh, Will Stein, the Oregon OC, be awesome. Um, would be awesome. I don't know if you can get him. Uh, Stein also, he was a high school coach so recently that he was Garrett Wilson's offensive coordinator in high school. Uh, <laughs> that's wild. And then, yeah, then he got a gig at UTSA. He was like their receivers coach for one year, passing in coordinator for two years, OC for a year, and then now Oregon OC for one year. He could jump again. Um, there's Joe Sloan, the LSU quarterbacks coach. Um, the problem with Sloan, uh, is that he wasn't the OC for them this year. Uh, he was their quarterbacks coach. He was the OC at Louisiana tech for three years. Um, he had one great year in 2019 and then 2020 was, they got killed by COVID. They had a disaster season. 2021, the whole team sucked and like they had a bunch of transfers out because Skip Holtz was on his deathbed basically as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, he's the guy who turned Jane Daniels to Jane Daniels. Uh, right. I'd be, and he has coordinator experience. I'd be happy with that. However, Mike Denbrock left the LSU OC job in their name, and Sloan is also interviewing for LSU's OC job. He's been in Louisiana now for like, I think, 11 or 12 years as a coach. He's from the East Coast, but has been in Louisiana for over a decade. I wonder if he just stays down there. Um, so, again, those two guys could be tough to get. Uh, another thing I'm looking at is Kirby Moore, 
uh, out of Missouri, who we just coached against. Obviously, he didn't light it up against us, but L- or Missouri's offense was very good all season. Uh, he came up under Chris Peterson. He played for him at Boise State. and was a GA for him at Washington. Then he went and worked for Kalen DeBoer. Kalen DeBoer was at Fresno State. Uh, and then he ended up at Missouri. He basically, the, the year before he got there, Missouri's offense was 88th in scoring. And then he turned into like pretty much a top 20 unit in most categories. He made Brady Cook look good. I think Kirby Moore is the good. This is Kellen Moore's brother. Um, so I think he's a solid option. It'd be very ironic, too, after Eli Drinkwitz gave that big soliloquy sitting next to Ryan Day about the importance of handing off play calling duties. I would find that funny. Um, a couple of college names to mention offhand very briefly. I won't go into length of these. Um, Brennan Carroll, Arizona's OC. Um, uh, he's the grandson of Pete Carroll. I think he's pretty damn good. Uh, he was there. Uh, OC, but has never been a quarterback's coach, so a little bit concerning. Uh, Tyler Bowen, or Bowen, is the Virginia Tech OC. The connection there is that he worked for Urban Meyer in the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, for his one season, uh, but he sucks. But again, familiarity higher per day. Um, Dino Babers was fired uh, this year. He's open. I wouldn't like that one very no, much. Um, and outside the box hire, Brent Viggen of Montana State, their head coach. Uh, we've seen a few FCS head coaches take or even G5 mm-hmm. head coaches take B5 assistant jobs. Um, he's been very good. He was the guy who was the quarterback's coach in OC uh, who recruited and developed Josh Allen at Wyoming, mm-hmm. um, among other people. Uh, he also was in North Dakota State and in Montana State. He has them, uh, had them in a great run this season. Uh, I didn't even mention in my article Brennan Marion from UNLV because eh, I like Marion on the field. Some of his off-field <laughs> habits may not do very well, in a, and they're not very public, but we've heard some things. May not be great in a media environment like Columbus. <laughs> I will leave it there. Um, <laughs> uh, he's a great recruiter, though. The other kind of college name here is a very fascinating one to me. It was brought up on our board by somebody else, and then I looked into it. And how, What do you feel about Dan Mullen? Yeah. I, I think that one's fascinating. I, that's one of those that like, it was one of those where I did the, like, um, the, the, like the, whoever, I don't even remember who it was on the bench where it's like the immediate, like, no. And then you think about it and you're like, oh, you know, oh, like someone on Miami heat. Yeah. 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 yeah I don't remember who it was, but yeah. it was like, but, but it, it on principle, like initially I, I had a version to it, but then I actually thought about it and was like, no, like that'd be, that'd be a pretty good hire. Like obviously like he obviously he he develops quarterbacks um yeah Dak prescott alex smith kyle trask tim tebow yeah yeah i'm not sure he got cam newton to florida right i i'm not sure but the only aversion i have really is um that if you're hiring somebody to be like a fresh offensive mind i don't think that's dan mole like if the whole premise of this is like let's get a new mind in here that like has new ideas and shit like that, like I don't think Dan Mullen passes the sniff test there. Um, yeah, Mullen has a lot of the same ideas as Ryan Day, and so it would just be the same offense, just somebody else doing it, and like it'd still yeah. be the same stale ideas and stuff like that. I would. Really He's just love... older Ryan Day, dude. Yeah. Exactly, and so <laughs> I would, I would, I would really love somebody with like fresh ideas to come in and like actually lead this offense. I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't be pissed because it would at least give things, get things off Ryan Day's plate and be trying something new. Like, yeah, it would be fine. I wouldn't be pissed. 
I think there are better names and I would like him to, I would like Ohio state to throw money at somebody who is like young and cutting edge and doing cool things and not somebody who is a fired head coach. Yeah. You know, like not, that, not that's the guy not what I want. Exactly same background of mine, Chip Kelly, Ryan Daytree, right. a yeah. New Hampshire native as well. Right. Um, he's part of the New Hampshire mafia, Chip Kelly, right. Ryan Day, all right. Um, yeah, there's some staleness concerns. Also, he hates recruiting. Yeah, um, he, he does hate recruiting. He does hate recruiting. So, so Day would still have to be just as involved with recruiting now, which that's fine. Honestly, if Friday's been a play calling office design, I'm okay with him. Yeah, it's fine. Being a recruiter. Yeah. Um, Joe Brady, their name. Uh, he is currently the Buffalo Bills interim office coordinator after they fired Ken Dorsey most of the season. Yep. Uh, he's their quarterback's coach. Of course, you guys know him from being LSU's passing game coordinator for Joe Burrow. Um, he was also the OC for the Panthers. Um, as we're recording this, the Bills game hasn't kicked off yet. But after they fired Dorsey and put in Brady, he went. Five, they went five and one with Brady after going five and five with Dorsey. Yeah. Uh, the offense hasn't been like awesome, but well, there's, he, like he's been an yeah. NFL play caller for. You you, you know seasons. what he can do. You know what he can do. Yeah. Yeah. I I'd be um, I'd be cool with this one. I am skeptical that it's going to be possible. I agree. Uh, I think he they probably just stay on in Buffalo. Um, Daryl Bevel. Uh, I hate this name, but I did throw it out there because he was Urban Meyer's OC at Jacksonville. Uh, and then the last two seasons, he's been the passing game coordinator for the Dolphins. The problem there is he's like third in line to that offense. I know the passing yeah. game is sick there, but like they have Mike he doesn't Daniel do anything. Show. Yeah, yeah, and then they have OC Frank Smith. Yeah, this is this is really this does. is like hiring this is like hiring Corey Dennis at this point. Like the, <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, this would be yeah, this would, yeah. he's the Corey Dennis on Miami Dolphins like like because yeah he's he's like yeah. so far removed that it's it, no and I think we I don't hire him because people, of Miami's offense yeah I think we had fans of two different NFL teams chime in on a board who said that when he was their OC they hated his like situational play calling too so cool. that's not yeah. great we're not doing that um interesting one here Curtis Modkins from the Vikings uh he was the OC in San Francisco under Chip Kelly in 2016 when Dave was the quarterbacks coach there. Um, he has not gotten back to a coordinator job since. Uh, he's also never coached quarterbacks. So I think this one is probably been an arrival, but nope. he's a guy with NFL OC experience who worked with Brian Day in the past, just worth mentioning. Um, Bill Lazor, uh, he's a senior analyst for Houston Texans. Uh, he was Chip Kelly's first coordinator in the NFL. Uh, shares that connection with Day. Uh, he had brief stints at Virginia from 2010 to 2012 and Penn State in 2019. Uh, one is an office coordinator, one is an analyst, but he spent the last two decades in the NFL besides that. Um, he has a weird OC thing where like, he worked under Matt Nagy and like Nagy gave up play calling to him for the part of his first season. They did way better under a laser. They did it with Nagy and then Nagy took it back the next year and it was bad again. So I don't know what to think about that. He, I don't was, know. he, was, uh, he was fine as the Bengals coordinator. I, I okay. did not yeah. I did not dislike him as the Bengals coordinator. Um but yeah. It yeah it is what it is. I it it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. I think he's he's definitely like a quarterback's guy. Um yeah. I, I don't I don't he see that with, actually happening. He works with CJ Stroud right now too, which is worth noting. Yeah. I mean Dave can get the scoop from CJ. Um true. the name that would be a fucking home run if they could get him on this list is Clint Kubiak. Who yeah. was the 49ers pass game coordinator? Um, yeah. he has somehow made Brock Purdy look an MVP candidate. He's Gary Kubiak's son. Uh, he was only an NFL OC for one year in 2021 when his dad retired. 
Um, he has not been in college since 2015. If you're the passing game coordinator for the Niners, you're probably on your way to an FLOC gig pretty soon. Yep. But if they could convince him to do a year or two in college, that would be sick. I don't think there's a shot um, in hell, but I would love it. I, I think no. that he is great. Exactly the sort of like you kind of work with what you have instead of forcing what you have to do with what you work. Um, like he is he yeah. is definitely the type of person that is capable of taking his personnel and molding his offense to it. And I think you see 100%. that with the Niners this year. And um, I would love that is an offensive coordinator that can just look at your personnel and change your offense accordingly and play to the strengths and stuff like that. Like, yeah, yeah. that their offense has been awesome this year, despite having a straight up Brock Purdy's a bad quarterback. Like he, he maybe not a bad quarterback. He is not, he's not an MVP caliber quarterback. Like, I'm sorry. It, he's just not. Yeah. But on the field, he's played like, well, that's the thing for most. Yeah. Of it's it's, it's and, yeah. and the, the play calling has fit him perfectly. The way that they play, the way that they run their offense has been perfect to Brock Purdy's skill set. Um, you could not, you could not do it better. So, um, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's awesome. I'm, I'd be a hundred percent into that. Uh, I'm going to read off some other NFL names really quick, not spend too long on any of them. Um, Zach Robinson is a Los Angeles Rams past game coordinator. He's been responsible for some of Matt Stafford improving improving his success there. They've had a lot of injuries, never been a play caller and the McVay tree may have lost some shine, but it's still, um, I mean, that's a, that's a good job to have. He's a young guy could do really well. Uh, Byron Leftwich. Uh, people, <laughs> he's a very like controversial dude where, you know, I mean, like people thought he was a sure thing to be an NFL coach like two or three years ago. And then all of his non Tom Brady offenses kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has not had a job since he left Tampa Bay after 2022. He got fired. Nope. No for you. Nope. <laughs> I'm enough. out. I'm out on that. Um, Mike Sullivan is the Steelers quarterback coach. He's in a very weird limbo right now where after they fired Matt Canada, he is the play caller, but he is not the OC or even interim OC, but he's calling the plays. Very weird. Um, he used to coach at both Ohio and Youngstown State, so has some experience uh, in the state of Ohio. Interesting name to me. Rudolph's like a lot better than Kenny Pickett did. Um, I don't know. Who gives a fuck? Uh, we have <laughs> this is this would be a disaster hire. But I did list him. Tom Arth uh, is a former Akron head coach. Uh, he's an Ohio native, John Carroll alum. After getting fired from Akron, he caught up with the Chargers, their passing game specialist. Uh, if we hired Tom Arth, I would kill myself. Uh, that's yeah. where I'd be at. <laughs> the, the, the next one that you're going to say is is pretty bad, too. Yeah, Doug Nussmeyer. He's the Chargers yeah. quarterback coach. No. Uh, yeah, he was an OC at Washington, Alabama, Michigan, and Florida. So he knows big time football, obviously. Cool. Um, glad, glad for he, him. He uh, also, every position group or offense he's ever coached has gotten better when he left. Yeah. Uh, and also, his son is going to be the starting quarterback for LSU, and they have an OC opening. So let's pray to God they hire him and <laughs> we can hire Joe Slow. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Uh, yeah. I, I would like that. Also, I, I heard I mentioned with Sloan earlier, um, just yesterday, I think, uh, five-star Bryce Underwood, who Ohio State loves, committed to LSU and Joe Sloan. Wouldn't that be funny? Go get. <laughs> that be, what if we signed Tavian Sinclair and Bryce Underwood in the same class? I don't think that would ever happen. But It wouldn't, wouldn't, it it wouldn't cool? happen. It'd be so funny. And Michigan would be so furious if Ohio State somehow like backed into ending up with Bryce Underwood. I would... Look, I like TSC. I'm thinking Underwood in a heartbeat. 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, <laughs> uh, 
but uh, I think I, I think, think the names that I missed off. I don't think so either. I think the the three, four that you would obviously let go with that I I mean the best ones: Will Stein, uh, Joe Sloan, Kirby Moore, and um, Clint Kubiak. Those are the three. Yeah. Or the, yeah. the four. Those if, if they get any of those four, I'm I'm chilling. That's cool. Yeah, I'd be happy with any of those. Uh, I think Austin Ward threw out the name Brian Harson. Uh, yeah, mm. pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> I would not want Brian Harson. That's uh, that's uninspiring. Yeah, I, I I would be happy with, like you said, Kirby Moore, Will Stein, Joe Sloan, Clint Kubiak, or Dan Mullen. Any of those five, I'm I'm chilling. I'm cool. Yep. Yep. So uh, also, Joe Moorhead got thrown out. I was naming our board as well. Please God, no. Um, no. RPO merchant, that. Yep. So that's our list. Yep. Yeah, and, and it will not be any of those guys, just so so we're clear. Yeah, it'll be some fucking free we've never heard of who's, yeah, I don't know. The good news is, the good news is, if Ryan Day makes a bad hire here, I think he is sunk. So, um, yeah, that's, I guess that's the only, the only pro here is like, this is sincerely a season where it's either like Ryan Day puts it all together and the state of the program is awesome moving forward, or I sincerely think that he is at no, least like yeah. a, a walking, a, a dead man walking, or maybe actually gets fired. So, um, yeah. So yeah, I guess that's, that's the, that's the good news is no matter what, like we're chilling. So yeah, uh, either he exceeds to our demands or he's gone. Yeah. Uh, the pa- the Patriots have put him under control for now. <laughs> uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> I, I guess mean, he the- is, Look, I'm not going to talk myself into it yet, but we appear to be on the precipice of him making the correct almost move. every almost every major change we asked for. Yeah, except for him personally being fired or Mick Ferrari being fired. Right. Yeah. Like it seems like every other move, and maybe you know the Larry Johnson thing. We'll see. Like, like yeah. Well, okay. So everything I'm, else is happening. Yeah. I I say this and I say, I was talking to my wife about this when she asked if this was a good thing that Ohio state was doing this. I say this as somebody who does not hate Ryan day anywhere near as much as you do. And as somebody who fully has been calling for these changes and acknowledges that this is probably the best thing for him to do is to hire an offensive coordinator and step back into like a CEO manager role of the team. Are we sure that he's good at that? Because I think pretty much everything would indicate that he is actually not good at managing a team. And that is what he is actively bad at. So I am, I am skeptical that like it is, it is to be clear, like I'm not, I'm not trying to be a hater because like, this is clearly the best thing for him to do. And it's clearly the best move, but like, what about the past, the first five seasons would lead you to believe that Ryan day is a good CEO of this football program. Like, look at the staff right now. Look at the staff construction. Look at the way that he's run the team. Look at the way that he it's recruits. Really look at the yeah. way that he handles the transfer portal. Like, and you're just telling him he's going to do all of the things that he's bad at full time. The only thing that he has been good at since he's been at Ohio State is running the offense and developing and recruiting quarterbacks. And so you're telling me that he is now not going to run the offense and is just going to step back and do the things that he's bad at. Like, 
that is what yeah, I'm what's skeptical. his value add? Right. Yeah, like, I think if you were trying to spin it possibly, you'd say, well, the fact that he had to do all the other things, like he had to yeah. do the offense and the quarterbacks, and then he didn't focus on that stuff. That's a bullshit answer. That's a horseshit yeah. answer. And there's still many of things he's doing, just doing badly. Yeah. Uh, that I don't think like more time is going to solve that. It's a mindset Again. change on and, a and skill it's, issue. And and, yeah. and and the thing is, like, I fully understand that it's tough for me to bitch about him not doing these things for like five years, and then the second and then he, does it, he does it, yeah, be like. So like well, I, what's I, the point? But that's, that's the question though. It's like it, and uh, people who are supportive of this. Like I, I think I argue with Ross Fulton about this. Uh, Ross, you know, writes for BuckeyeHuddle.com. It's a great website. There are value bars. I think he said, "Well, if you ask Dave to give up play calling, what is he good at?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah. What is he good at?" Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't, of course, for most of these people, that doesn't cause a moment of self-reflection. But right. like the idea of like if you just have an OC, like that's it's exactly what we've been saying is that he's in over his head. He's not good at the program management. Yeah. So his value add is the OC stuff, but also you can't win a title as a play calling OC. No one does it. Right. Uh so yeah, so that's a great question. <laughs> what is he good at? I mean, yeah. you're making all these changes just it's definitely a real like coach to do them. And and like yeah. and to be to be fair, I think every coach has dealt every good coach has dealt with these crossroads before. Like Urban Meyer when he stopped being involved in offenses so much, and um, like I don't like every coach has gotten to the point. Pretty much every coach has gotten to be a head coach after being a coordinator first, a very successful coordinator first. And every coach has passed over the keys at some point. Like this is a thing that every great coach has to do. But like. My thing is that Ryan Day just hasn't been good at all of the things that he's going to do full time, and so I'm yeah. completely he's had five skeptical. years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, so. and yeah. I mean, that's like, and I'll say this too: like, look, if he does hire an OC we like, if we're happy with the OC hire, if he fixes the staff construction problem and fires Parker Fleming, if he moves Sonny to linebacker. If he either keeps Henderson or lands Judkins, if he fixes the O-line personnel this offseason um, and keeps oh, the guys who check him to keep, we were talking about that earlier, he's done everything we asked this offseason. Yep. Like, he, still, he can't reverse his bad job on the recruiting class of signing a very small class again. Mm -hmm. He could take a lot of transfers. That'd be helpful. Right. Um, we'll see. Uh, there's still things he can like he could have done better, obviously. But like, and, and I still think his process of waiting so long to fire these guys is fucking stupid. He missed out on some good, you know, potential hires, including Colin Klein, Andy Kotel, Nippy, right? Um, Andy Ludwig's still out there, I guess. I don't know. Um, there are a lot of guys you could bring in, but that's the thing is, like, even the expert hires, I'll be more excited. I'll, I'll give him a fucking A for the offseason if he does the things I'm demanding. But what what is his job then? Like, <laughs> yeah, and, and like again, I, I I do fully understand the irony of me complaining about this after literally asking for it for years. But um, it's just half yeah. stepping. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. And so so like I, this is one that like I think it's fully possible that I'm wrong. Like I I would, and 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 it's one that like I am willing to even just like play it out. You know, because I don't, I don't, I don't think it's fair yeah. to just assume that he's going to be bad when he steps back and like decides to be more of a manager of the program. Like, yeah, maybe he's going to, maybe I'll eat my words. Yeah. yeah, like that, and and like, and that's that's totally fair because I don't, I don't know that there's been enough to prove that it's going to be a disaster if he like steps back and does. Like, it might be great. It might be great. 
there's there's a chance that it's great. I I don't know. And I think it's at least worth giving this a try if he sincerely does all of these things and I'll be chilling, you know, like it's fine. What I was saying was more just my skepticism that it's going to work. Yeah. But I'm not like, I'm not like willing to crucify him yet that it doesn't work, you know? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we're going to hear about these hires pretty soon, I'm guessing. So we'll have, um, we'll have a more informed opinion very soon. Yep. And um, I'm looking forward to be able to evaluate it. The one other piece of news we're going to here that's still very kind of podcasting for fucking ever. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State got a commit from a top 10 player nationally. <laughs> yeah. And it's just tucked uh, in here at the end. end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Devin Sanchez is the best corner recruit they've signed since Jeff Okuda. Yep. Um, he, if not better, he is a prototype. Uh, yep. He is fucking incredible. awesome. I mean, incredible. 6'2, incredible film. Tim Walton. He's not, yeah. Tim Walton's a dog. I was, yep. we were, I was so wrong with Tim Walton. Yep. Um, that is my bad. Uh, Tim Walton. No, I was, I was wrong it. too. Got... I was wrong too. I, I yeah. overreacted to, um, what looks like a complete one year blip abnormality of the cornerback play in his first year yeah. with injuries from Burke and stuff like that. I was wrong. I was completely wrong. Yeah. hundred percent. Me too. Yep. Um, I'll stick to my more informed hater opinions over five years of failures. Yeah. Uh, that I will on <laughs> one guy. Yeah. So yeah, um, man, dude, we uh, we podcast our ass off. Yeah, that's a that's a pod. Yeah, that was that um, was that was a long one. Um, but we'll we'll try to not leave it too far between major events. Yeah. Between our conversations next time, but oh, also by the way, the title games tomorrow. Yeah, Washington, <laughs> do the right thing. Do the right thing, dude. Good has to triumph over evil. I, I yeah. don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm listen, right on it. This is this is my closing closing thought before we get out of here. I know that our good friend Dan has been doing the protagonists of college football thing with Michigan this entire year, like before the season even started. Sincerely, I think that Washington is shaping up as like the actual protagonists of college football is like the underdog story. Like we've counted them out a couple times on this podcast. They have won so many games that they weren't supposed to win. They have an awesome, like kind of just like a gritty quarterback who is also awesome um, you know, came from Indiana, best suffered a ton of injuries. Best receiver yeah. room in the he's country. He's already beat Michigan before. Let's do it again. Yes, yeah, he has. And he's and he's uh <laughs> and he's playing against like a Michigan team that like is nobody wants this team to win besides Michigan fans, like straight up. Like it's it is yeah. definitely like a good versus evil scenario here. It it would be a like perfect, perfect ending. Like the Cinderella story ending is that Michael Penix Jr. leads this team to the win, and it is uh that is what everybody who isn't wearing maize and blue is going to be rooting for tomorrow. There's not a team, there's not a person outside of Ann Arbor that is going to be rooting for Michigan to win this game. So let good triumph. Um, yep. Tell you what, if Washington wins, we are bringing the sign off that. Okay. I'm down. Yeah. I'm down with that. But until then, yeah. goodbye. See ya. Peace.